Good morning. We are in our uh, fourth message in this series that uh, Colin introduced. We talked about it this morning, or he mentioned it in this messenger series in the book of First Peter, the New Testament book of First Peter. So we want to pick up where we left off last week, First Peter chapter two. You have a copy of the Bible in your hand or in your lap. Open up to First Peter chapter two near the very end of your Bible, near the end of the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 2, and we will read verses 13 through the end of the chapter, verse 25, in a message titled, The Way of the Cross. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 uh, through 25. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of the believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Now this book, this series, we've been talking about messengers. And as, as Colin said before, what is the message? It's the gospel, right? That is, God's love, we'll, 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 we will experience this in a, as, a, as, a, as a way to remember what God has done for us in this table in a few minutes. But God came, sent his son into the world to die for our sins, to, to change our lives, as Colin said, to change life. That's what much of this early part of this book, he's talking about the new identity that becomes ours because of what God has done. But in the middle of the book where we are here, it begins to transition to what kind of behaviors ought to flow out of that new identity, right? If God has changed your life or God is changing your life, right, writing your story, what kind of behaviors ought to come out of it? How are we actually to live out the message of the gospel in the world around us? And at the heart of this passage, um, is really a definition of freedom. That's what he's talking. Live, verse 16, as free people. Live as God's slaves. But the definition of freedom 
really my subject for these few minutes, is what is freedom and how are we supposed to use it, is very different from the ideas of freedom in our culture. It was very different than the ideas of freedom in, in the culture that Peter wrote to, but it's also very different from ours, right? What most people think of today, maybe if you read, even in the newspaper, in the op-ed pages, in, 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 in life in general, we talk about freedom, it's, it's doing what you want to do, right? We, 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 we pride ourselves in a good way that in, we live in a country where we, we prize freedom, right? We have the opportunity, you know, people didn't used to have leisure time and vacation time and, you know, weekends. I mean, we have a tremendous opportunity. We, live with, we have a political free society for the most part in our culture, right? But what freedom means to us is doing what we want, when we want, with whoever we want, and, by, and the more options that you have, that I have, the better. One writer that I uh, was reading said, he described this as negative freedom. That is to say, it's freedom from something. It's, what, it's, it's the feeling somebody gets... I might get when you've gotten out of some kind of obligation, right? You get out of work early. You get, you know, an extra day off. You get out of an uncomfortable relationship. Any kind of obligations that you might have. The more I can offload obligations and constraints, the freer I feel. It's a negative kind of freedom. It's the release from obligations or restraints. You know, I want out of this job. I'm tired of it. Uh, I want out of this relationship. I want out of this marriage. I want out of this commitment. In fact, people would say, maybe you would too, we actually, when new responsibilities are imposed upon us, we actually feel unfree, right? Anytime, if, if, if I'm said, well, listen, you can't take two courses of action. In your job, in your marriage, in this situation, you have to make a choice. You have to say yes to this course of action and no to these courses of action. When we hear that, often we feel very unfree, right? Like somebody's imposing their will on us. That's, that's the concept, you might say, of negative freedom, freedom from. But in contrast to that, you see is the heart of this passage. We have a different kind of freedom. It's freedom not from constraint. It's freedom for something else. It's not about getting out of something. The freedom that's talked about here in this passage is the opportunity to pursue the fullness of your potential, your God-given potential, in a way that you were not able to do uh, before you met Christ before God started to tell your stories. In fact, the freedom for reaching your full potential, the freedom for with God having in some ways, you know, um, dealt with the sin, the power of sin in my life, where it's freeing me up to reach a kind of potential that I could never reach before I came to know Christ as Savior. That freedom really often is full of hard choices, fewer options, Deeper levels of commitment, right? It's a long obedience in the same direction. Verse 16, the heart of this passage. Live as free people. Live as God's slaves. True freedom, this passage will tell us, is found in absolute devotion to God. True freedom. Live as free people. What does that mean? Live as God's slaves. Now this, think about, just hold on to this idea for a minute. 
What does it mean to live in absolute devotion to God? Why would that be freedom? That sounds like the opposite of freedom, right? That's why I didn't want to come to church when I was a kid or when I was a young adult. It sounds like the, you know, you're just trying to put constraints on my life. I got enough constraints on my life. I don't need another shackle, you know, that says the religious obligation. What, how, could, how could true freedom be found in absolute devotion to God? I think this passage, really the whole New Testament, acknowledges a truth that most thinking people, whether you're a Christian or not, ask yourself this question, that most thinking people would come to if they thought about their life and the older you get, the more you would say this is true. And that is this, that all people, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, I don't care what place you live in, what country you live in, whether you're rich or you're poor, all people are in service to forces that are greater than themselves outside of themselves. We are, as human beings, more driven by either forces from within or forces from without than we are driving our own lives. Right? That's what the Bible says. We are more driven than we are driving. Even Christians, I didn't read it. It's the first that just ahead of the passage I read, right? Dear friends, he's running the church now. I urge you, I urge you, this is the Apostle Peter, to abstain, abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Let me tell you something. I don't know what you think about pastors, but we put on our pants one leg at a time. You know, every day, in, a, in some ways, um, there are things... There are uh, 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 sinful desires waging war against my soul, right? I think most of us, if we're honest, that would be true. Now, he uses this image. I was talking to one of our team this week, you know, the image of slavery. Live as, live as free people, live as God's slaves. And I was talking to this friend of mine, and she was saying, you know, that's a tough idea. I'm not so, that makes me kind of uncomfortable. And, you know, it does me too. You know, if it wasn't in the passage, I wouldn't read it. I want to just write it. I want to cross it off and write something else, you know. Because slave, slavery in our day, it's a very potent word. It's a very um, highly charged idea, even in our day, right? Slavery, it's not an old concept. It's not a, you know, 19th century concept. But the apostle uses it here, partly, let me say, because um, it meant something a little bit different in his culture. In the day of Peter's uh, writing, the first century, the, 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 the early birth of the church, one-third, one-third, imagine, 100 million people if we're talking about America, one-third of the entire Roman Empire were slaves, right? It's not, you know, 5%, not 10%, one-third. And it was a very large class of people. And it even included things that you and I would consider professions, like some teachers or doctors, right? It's a very different idea. They were still slaves. The idea still is there. But the point is, the early church that Peter is writing to, a majority of people, if I was Peter and I was preaching at the church that he, I said, raise your hand if you're a slave, a majority of the hands went up would be slaves. So Peter's using this idea, if you want to live as free people, you need to live as God's slaves, because it's something, he's, it's a very easy idea for him to access, but, here's my main point, he uses it, so they all knew what a slave was, very easy idea to access, be God's slave but he uses it in a profound way. 
that has application for everyone in this room. What he's saying is this. If God and his will, he talks about it in verse 15, for if God's will we do good, we silence the ignorant talk of the talk of of foolish people. If God and his will, right, has the highest allegiance in your life, if Jesus Christ truly is the Lord of your life, if his word, right, is your daily bread, if that's true today, right, March 21, or March 20, uh, 20, what year is this? Right, okay, 2018, all right? If this is true, then and only then are you actually free. Not only from the power of sin, right? I urge you, dear friends, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. If God is truly my highest allegiance, if the gospel is where I find my daily bread, not only do I have freedom from the power of sin, but I have freedom from the abuse of others. I have freedom from the fearful and unanticipated circumstances that can come my way, that can come to your way any day. Listen, the, 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 the writer of the Hebrews says, listen, most of the human race, they live in bondage of fear their entire lives, right? But if God and his will has the highest allegiance in your life, this is what it means to be God's slave. If he has the highest allegiance, then nothing else really matters in the way that it matters to most people today. It is. I, I, this week I had a... Um, a, a problem with my car, and I spent about um, an hour uh, with a guy, a tow truck guy. And he came, and we were just small talking, and fixed my car, and, and then he drove me uh, with, I drove with him to where my car was, and, and I was just listening to him talk, just asking him basic questions, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, about his life. And, and it was just amazing. It was, there, there was very obvious that he was angry, angry about his job, angry about life, angry, it was, it was very angry and, 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 and was um, very negative. But even in all that negativity and anger, I sensed there was just this sense of resignation, right? He was just for kind of like giving up. And I kind of was, you know, burdened for him in a way, and we just, I just listened to him, really, for most of the time. And we got near the end of that hour. I just, he mentioned he lived in Webster, right? My, my community right here. And I just said to him, it's not like I'm, I always say this, but I just said, hey, do, do you guys, he'd mentioned his family, I said, you know, do you guys go to church? And he said, well, my wife does, but I don't. And I said, oh, how come? He says, well, you know, I, 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 uh, I grew up in the church, and my mother was uh, devoted to the church. We went to the church here at Church in Webster, and you know, we were there all the time, and we not only went to church, but we were involved in church, and we helped with this, and we helped with that, and uh, you know, we, we were there all the time. It was a big part of my life. He said, but 14 years ago, um, my mother died, and that's the day I stopped going to church. And I said, gee, why is that? And he said, well, listen, there's a lot of other people in the world that God could have taken, right? Why did he have to take my mother? And I realized something about this guy, which I can totally appreciate. Although he went to church and he was very involved, God was not the highest allegiance in his life. See, his family was. And when something happened 
to a close member of his family. His faith stopped, something in him died, and his freedom came to an end. And for 14 years, he's been in bondage to anger and disappointment ever since. And let me tell you something. I've been in the ministry 23 years. And if I had a dollar for every time someone walked away from their commitment to God, when someone walked away from their church that they were attending, when someone walked out of a relationship they were committed to, if I had a dollar for every time someone did that because of a disappointment that, listen, nobody's signing up for disappointments. No one's signing up for unwelcome circumstances, but they come. But if I had a dollar for every time somebody walked away from God or their commitments because of it, I'd be a very rich man, right? This is what he's, you want to live as a free people? You want to reach your truest potential? You want to ensure that you're not going to get sidetracked in your faith? You need to make your relationship with God, devotion to God, your highest priority. And second to the heart of this passage, true freedom is not fairness, but it's selfless service. True freedom is not fairness, it's selfless service. Listen to these words again. Slaves in reverent fear of God. Submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate. Well, I'll work for my boss. He's a good guy. You know? My husband, my wife, they're a good guy. But also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good, and you endure it. This is commendable before God. This is where most of us, honestly, will get stuck, and many of us, even in this congregation right now, we're already having some real problems. This section of Scripture, this passage, uh, is the antithesis of the spirit of our culture when it comes to this idea of freedom. We live in a world, even more than Peter's day, right, where individual rights, right? I'm not just talking about, you know, uh, uh, you know, race and class and gender. I'm talking about individual rights, you know, right down to my preferences of, of, of who I am and what I like has become ascendant in this. And you know, it's funny, as I read about them, Right? It happens every day. It's, it's, it's rapid in our culture. It's sort of the air that we breathe. And if I, as I read about sometimes not only these, 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 these you know, campaigns, these, these desires, this I want, I'm exercising my rights, I want to change the law in this or that way, sometimes when I read them and I even read the personal stories right, of this kid, of this family, of this refugee, whatever the case may be, boy, it touches my heart. I'm almost convinced. right? It's heart-wrenching. It makes sense at, at one level. And let me say this, though, as a pastor, right, as a person, I'm against all forms of racism. I'm against all forms of abuse, all forms of oppression. I'm against it as a Christ follower. You ought to be against it. But, but, my call as a follower of Jesus is not to make the world a level playing field is to demonstrate in my living 
the quality and character of the love of God, right? That's what we're missing. You say, well, I want a world where there's no more racism, there's no more abuse, there's no more... We ought to feel that way. It ought to make you angry. And one day, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But the work of the church is not to make the world a level playing field. That's a good idea. I vote in that way. I'm for it. But that's not the work of the church. The work of the church is not to say, these are my... is, is basically not to demand your rights... It's to deny them and live in selfless service to other people. Do you get that? Do I get that? You know, there's these two guys, two of the disciples, James and John. They were called, do you know what their nickname was? Who knows their nickname? The Sons of Thunder, right? I'd like to have those guys as your neighbors. <laughs> the Sons of Thunder, right, Keith? You got a little of that in you, Keith, right? <laughs> The sons of thunder, you know. They're one time they're walking with Jesus. Now listen, they've been with Jesus for a few years. They're not newbies. And Jesus walks into this village, and they say, and they're kind of his handlers, they're frontmen. Jesus is coming, call together, and the people in this town, they don't like Jesus, and they say, we're not interested in what he has to say. Jesus shows up in James and John, the sons of thunder. They say, Jesus they didn't want to hear what you said, and they said, should we call down fire right now from heaven and destroy them? That's not, I'm not making this up. Right? Should we just do what Elijah did? You know, How dare they say no? How dare they uh, uh, turn uh, uh, their backs on us? And it says Jesus turned to them and rebuked them, right? You have to fill in the blank. What are you guys thinking? What planet are you from? You fail to understand what the gospel is really all about. It's not about serving your needs. It's not about what's fair. It's about you in serving. He said, I didn't come to destroy people. Good night. He'd destroy me and you in the process. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I came to demonstrate a kind of love that the world has never seen, right? When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. He didn't say, uh, listen, this is what I need, this is what I want, this is what I deserve. He kept his mouth shut and he went to the cross and he said, that's what I want you to do if you really want to change the world. Jesus changed the world not just in his death, but in the way that he lived. And that meant more often denying his rights. You know, Ephesians 2.10, great verse of scripture. Some of you could repeat it. Uh, For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. You didn't save yourself. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should be proud and boast about it. Now listen to verse 10. That was 8 and 9. For we are his workmanship. I'm talking about Christian people, the, the church. And we are his workmanship. We are his handiwork. And, we, and God has uh, um, prepared good works in advance for us to do. Right? We have a purpose. We have a, a, for, it's, it's the kind of freedom. And he, twice in this passage, verse um, 15 and verse 20, he talks about doing good works. For it's God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. What does he mean doing good? He's talking about selfless service. As Colin was saying, oh, listen, 
There are people that only you can talk to. There are people that only you can influence. There are people that only you can serve, but you have to decide that's what you want to do, right? True freedom is, is found not in fairness. It's not about getting what you deserve. It's about selfless service to others because it's only when you do that. That's why the key word in this whole two chapters, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake of every human authority, verse uh, 13, verse 18, Re, uh, submit yourselves to your masters, even the bad ones. I'll go on to chapter 3. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands. Dave's looking at me like, don't go there. That's trouble, right? <laughs> Listen, what is this passage talking about? It's another message. He's not saying, wives, submit to your husbands because you're lesser than, because, you know, barefoot and pregnant and keep your mouth shut. That's not what he's saying. He's saying this like to slaves. There was, there was more women in the early church than men. And he's saying, listen, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that they can have the one up you, so that they can treat you like, you know, yours less than. No, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they're going to be won over with outwards by your behavior. Because you're saying it's not about me. And my job isn't to level the playing, make the world a level playing field. My job is to live in a way that will, that will capture your imagination, that you'll be able to see a quality of love that you cannot find anywhere else. That's what he's talking about. And God has prepared good works for everyone in this room to do in your offices, in your neighborhoods, in your schools. And the question is, are you willing to do it? Or are you going to wrap? This is what the, we, we've taken... The Christian message, and men not just not just saying brown crop, but in general, and we've wrapped it in the world's values and the churches, there's a danger of the Christian message just becoming another ideology. Right? It's not about what we deserve, what we want. It's not about fairness. It's about selfless service. Okay? Selfless service. Closing. We're going to take this table. True freedom is not in fairness, it's in selfless service. As Colin said, how has God done a unique work in your life? Right? It's different for every person in this room. Who might you need to talk to about it? How might you need to demonstrate a quality of love to the people around you where they can say, I've never seen anything like that. Everyone around me is demanding their rights and all you're saying is, how can I serve you? Right? But let me say this, closing, as we get ready to take this table. Don't miss this. Jesus is our example. Now, we miss this sometimes. Some of us have been in the church a long time. You say, well, isn't Jesus our Savior? Yes, he is. And if he's not your Savior, he'll never be your example, but he's both. Verse 21, to this you were called, I just got done reading the verse, in other words, to this selfless service kind of life, because Christ suffered for you, that's number one. I'd be nothing without the gospel. I'd be nothing, for by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Jesus Christ, when we were yet sinners, Christ died for me. I'd be hopeless if Jesus Christ didn't come to me and, and die for me when I, was no, when I wasn't interested in him, when I was full of sin and, self, and, and pride and, and indifference. He gave his life for me, okay? But 
Jesus is not just our, he didn't just suffer for you. He's leaving you an example. Watch this, that you should follow in his steps. His death isn't just a demonstration of his love. It's a demonstration of, his, of how to live. Right? You say, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? That's what he's saying. That you live the way he did, you follow in his steps. Now, what is it? I already read these verses. He committed no sin, no deceit was found in his mouth, which is different from you and me. Yet when they hurled insults at him, they didn't just suffer physically, he suffered emotionally. He chose not to retaliate. Think about that. The guy or the girl that that's, gives you a hard time, the boss that's a jerk, the brother that never you know, wants anything to do with you and has never paid his fair share of the family burdens, whatever the case may be. The good friend who won't, uh, who, who's uh, mad at you, right? When they hurled their insults, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, watch this, he made no threats, right? Why is Peter hi highlighting this? He's saying, he's your example. He's your example. True freedom is not fairness. Get over it. Get over yourself. That's not what this life is about. You think it's about making the, the world a level playing field? That'll never happen. The poor you will always have with you. It's about going into the world and offering yourself in small ways, right? To the tow truck driver, to the neighbor, to that sister or brother who's, who's angry is all get out, right? What they're looking for is not the answer to a question. What they're looking for is a quality of life, real love. That's what they're looking for. He did not retail it when he suffered. He made no threats. Instead, here's the key. It goes back to the first point, right? True freedom is found in absolute devotion to God. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who, just, who, who judges justly. This is true freedom. True freedom says, listen, if God is the Lord of my life, if, if truly, I mean, he, he has my, I'm a slave of God in that manner of speaking, then I don't really care what you say about me. Because my identity is in, in, in the love that God, it doesn't really matter that much. Sure, I don't want to be abused. Sure, I don't want to be insulted. I, I'm, not, I'm not happy about it. But it's not, it's not where I build my life upon it. And it's not going to keep me from moving towards you even when you're angry, even when you're hurting, even when you're mad. Because I want to do whatever I can do to demonstrate in selfless service because that's what's going to change the world. Right? That's what's going to change the world. You really want to make a difference in this community? It's founded on God's grace. But then we have to decide to go out into the world not to see what we can get, but to see what we can give. That's what this table's about. So let us pray. We're going to take this table as we do the first Sunday of every month. It's just a few minutes for all of us to really apply this message, right? Back to Colin. What's your story? What has God done in your life? If you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, I would not receive this table. I would receive the message behind this table. That is, that Jesus died for you, that he rose from the dead and said, and, and 
he paid the price for your sin and to receive by faith the forgiveness of sins. You can do that in the quiet of your own seat, right? That's what, as the last two verses of this passage said, right? He, 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 he became sin for us. He bore uh, uh, the penalty of our sin, right? But if you're a Christian, what I would encourage you to do is to ask yourself, listen, what has God done in my life? How is he uniquely, um, how has his forgiveness uniquely changed me? And how might God be calling me? Maybe you think of a friend. Maybe you think of a neighbor. Maybe you think of a, a, a broken relationship, a hardness in your life. Where can you decide to be the real change agent? By living in selfless service with someone else. That's what I would encourage you to think about. We're going to hand these elements out. It's a double cup. You take them both. If you've never done this with us, hold on to them as the bread and the juice, and then we'll take them together in just uh, a couple minutes. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. Lord, we just want to use these few minutes to think about the cross of Jesus Christ. Not only what it means as it concerns our forgiveness, but what it means and what it says about the way we live our lives. Help us, Lord. Change our minds if they need them. Uh, 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 free us of, of wrong-headed thinking that thinks that, that, thinks that freedom, the, the, the freedom that Jesus brings is about, you know, demanding our rights. Help us to see it's about often giving them up in selfless service to a broken world, to an angry world, to a hurting world who doesn't know real love. Help us as we think about this even in this minute, in Jesus' name I pray, amen.